Hello, everybody. This is Zach, and I'm sitting here with Miguel or Michael. And this is the what we've determined to be the No Name podcast or Catching Up with the Boys podcast because everything has changed. Uh, but that's it. I'm, this this podcast is to kind of catch up with what uh, Michael and I have been doing, are doing, and will be doing, <laughs> just to give you an update, because we've been, I think both of us have been pretty radio silent since at least <clears throat> October of 2022. It is, as we speak, early March of 2023. I want to start with you, Michael, though. You, you do. <laughs> well, you in this period of time have completed all the requirements of the mandala and are now graduate. You have now graduated the mandala. You are the first. Congratulations. Yay, me. Yeah. And if I can point out, and if you, I imagine you were planning on doing so, is that my whole point with the mandala originally was a deterrent <laughs> and showing people outlining to people who are interested in, in studying the medicine how hard it is and how how expensive it is and how much time um how much time it can it, it takes to to do it and uh i always thought that we might get four or five people to sign up for it and i was even at that rate i was like yeah if one if one person one student successfully goes through this whole thing and, and graduates i'm i'm stoked and so now i'm stoked i'm so happy i love stoking your fires <laughs> uh, no i i was gonna bring that up it mm. maybe not the deterrent aspect but it it is a challenging I don't even know if you would call it a course, but like it, it's a challenging path to walk for however long you're going through the mandala. Um, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you don't pull out all of your hair before you get through it, you walk out of there looking as great as you feel. Um, <laughs> and I would just like to say, and I think I've already told you this in private, but like, thank you, um, both for the congratulations and also for you and Justin cultivating the training process and also the work that you did and just going all the way back and for being a darn good teacher. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it would not have been possible without you. So for better or for worse, you are partially responsible for who I am today. <laughs> I, I hope for the better. <laughs> I'll give you that. Yeah. 
so yeah i let's let's dive in a little bit um on your process working through the the mandala and you were able to you were fortunate enough to really commit time energy and and money to the to the whole process and you did a you took a very similar tack that i did which was just like all right here we go this is all we're doing we're we're, we're doing dietas we're doing ceremonies um no real full-time job um hmm. and it was a similar path albeit not in the jungle um uh, but similar path in the sense that you started studying doing all the dietas banging out the requirements but then started working with us and helping us with retreat first helping us in ceremony but then also eventually we were running retreats together uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I can't think of a more, <clears throat> it, it, uh, I was going to say, I can't think of a more optimal way to do it, but that's not true. Yeah, no, that's, that, that is incorrect. <laughs> that is incorrect because, you know, who's to say a slower process, taking more time in between retreats and so forth wouldn't be better. Who knows? I mean, and it, it's a totally individual, um, Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you kind of talk. Well, well you, you hit the nail on the head. It's individual, right? Yeah. Like the pace that I went at was the perfect pace for me. Yeah. It, it taught me the lessons that I needed to learn. Everything that happened throughout that time frame was, especially towards the end when I really wanted to finish and I was thinking like, do I just force a dieta in here to like get through those requirements? You know, it's like, no, that's not how that would work. Yeah. Um, but the the pacing ended up being where it was, I guess, just around four years from soup to nuts. Yeah. Um, you know, if we take out time for the Peace Corps uh, and other things, which was a different adventure, I think we land up around four years on the nose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the people who are still going through it and for people who are curious about it or for people who are just working with the medicine broadly, yeah, it's not one size fits all. It's you have to figure out what working with the medicine, studying the medicine means for you, how you want to approach that. And the best example of that that I have is, you know, my wife and Krista, who has a very different pace than <clears throat> I have in terms of how she wants to approach the medicine and the mandala and, and everything. Um, but yeah, whether it takes somebody four years or 12 years, if you haven't learned to listen to yourself and be in the flow by the end of that, you're going to break somewhere along the middle. Um yeah. You can't do it in four years if that's not what was supposed to be happening for you. Um, you're gonna, and, in my in my opinion, and that's and, and that's I would say that's what we see. I mean, we, we we've seen people fall off uh, from the mandala. We see people go off to Peru and train, and they're just something breaks, and they're just like, ah, I mean, either they did it to uh too much too soon they weren't are more often more often than not they became impatient in in their progress um along with possibly 
comparing themselves to the other people in the mandala or there are all these pitfalls um that are indications of like oh if I, if i'm feeling this much friction i'm about to break it's most likely not the medicine not the mandala but rather me and how i'm how i'm approaching it and and and, and my views and so forth um yeah. well and if you want to break that's a fascinating experience. Um, it doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. I'm sorry. Could explain explain that a little bit more, please. There's a yeah. There's a really interesting dance that I think we're all doing in life. Of, I mean, it's not even just medicine. It's when do we put pressure on? When are we being asked to be more resilient and put forth some effort versus? when is that sign of strain and stress an indication that we need to actually create more space, relax, be more gentle, you know, the, what the mandala was really great at and what ayahuasca can be helpful with and what, you know, coaching can be helpful with is learning how to listen to yourself and listen to that guidance that, Mm -hmm. you know, again, there's stress. What is that stress or pressure telling you is it telling you to continue going or telling you to relax um how do you know which is correct that's a tough question and my my favorite story about that is the uh tom Kenyon story where he's going up to a lake with a, a shaman and the shaman falls off his horse and breaks his leg and tom Kenyon's like okay so we got to go back down to the hey, town hey. now and, <laughs> and get a ticket and the shaman's like no if something wants to stop me this much we're definitely going forwards this is you a know, sign that this that, is a sign yeah and so how do you know if the sign is asking you to relax or go forwards yeah that's a tough one it, it's it's tough um and listening to that guidance is and viewing it as guidance instead of viewing it as challenge or life testing you in this combative relationship with life um that's a skill set to develop yeah uh, yeah what what <clears throat> what were the biggest uh frustrations not only for yourself but also what did you in the the in the mandala notice among other students and oftentimes you may have seen it in yourself and then, you know, as you move through those struggles, you, you see a kind of a pattern throughout the other mandaleros. Yeah. The biggest point of frustration, I would say, is comparison. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was relatively lucky on that front mm. in the sense that I started the mandala very early. Right. You were one of the first to start. And so you were kind of at the leader of the pack, so to speak. Yeah. Which more so means that people mm-hmm. compared themselves to me yeah. more often than not. But it's not like I didn't compare myself to others, you know? It's like I compared myself to you or to Jess or to, you know, any of the maestros or to other people in the mandala who have these great skill sets. And the benefit was that I learned very easily, uh, easily might not be the right word, quickly, 
uh, oh, comparison is not the game here. It's self-understanding. And I'm okay imitating things until I find my own way. But I don't need to be consistently looking externally to figure out who I am. Um, and in fact, that's not healthy. <laughs> that's what led me to, to Mandal in the first place, um, was, was trying to make those external situations work out. Um, the other big dynamic that I would say is just communication. Uh, uh, yeah. Like both in the fact that you're entering the plant medicine world and trying to figure out how to talk about that either or, or talk about these experiences that you've had that are very personal, even with people who have experienced plant medicine and especially with people outside of plant medicine is challenging. And then learning how to communicate with your teachers or with the other Mandaleros is also a challenge. Um, like, I wish I had a great example of this and maybe you do, mm. but I'm trying to think of a time where it's like, my experience was different than yours on something. And it's not that one was right, the other was wrong, but where in order for me to challenge the status quo, so to speak, mm -hmm. like how do, how, does, how do I communicate that to you or whoever the leader is um, in a way that is respectful while also respecting myself and my own experiences? That's hard. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I can't think of an example, unfortunately, with you specifically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. That's that point. And maybe we can't think of an example because I can't. Again, specifically with you, can't think of an example where that happened. And that kind of speaks to how well and how how much we tr like I trust you implicitly and that trust was built on how well you communicate we communicate with each other if, if that makes any sense and and we may engage in what might seem like over communication like you're and I think this is this is Interesting that you bring this up. Um, remember how I, um, there's a point where I was like, hey man, you just apologize about 75% too much. I do remember that. But that I, that was a joke and uh, I was teasing and all that sort of thing. But that was over communicating. You were making sure you were being exceptionally respectful and it was appreciated. It, it got to the point where it was like, hey man, you're being... <clears throat> Thank you. I was what I was really saying. I think in retrospect, look, you're showing a lot of respect here by apologizing for things that really don't need apologies. You can dial that back because that trust has been established. You went to the extreme on the respect side, and I appreciated that, and that built a huge amount of trust because I knew that if there was any any issue, any mistake made outside my my awareness you would bring it to me right away and or or address it right away such that there was no 
lingering issue between us. And that's all communication. It is. And I would say same story. It's, it's, you know, my interpretation of that was that's kind of one of the ways that you are very good at teaching, whether people resonate with it or not. Like there's humor in it and there's truth in the reflection that, hey, Michael, you apologize about 70% too much of the time. <laughs> like, oh shit, I do. I wonder where that's coming from. Like, that was a really big teaching for me. It uh. took me a while. Um, another one of my favorites is, hey, Michael, you're really good at overcomplicating these things. <laughs> <laughs> that was a running joke for a good solid two years. I think. <laughs> it took me about two years to learn that lesson, and it's one that I'm still working on. But, oh. you know, if I was so challenged or sensitive, not in a bad way, being sensitive is not bad. Um, but if I had a reaction to the fact that I had a pattern being called out in a teasing way, I could have communicated that to you, but also like, what am I going to do? Be like, no, I don't have a pattern of overcomplicating things. All right. Cause it's so clearly the, the case. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, no, you're right. So, Wow. I appreciate it being seen. I appreciate it being communicated. No, I don't like always having to think about the fact that I do that, but like, I want to figure that one out. Mm. And so there's, there's the subtleties of communicating within any organization, you know, talking with your bosses, talking with your managers, talking with your employees or the people reporting to you is challenging in a day-to-day kind of nine to five life. And then you put that in the medicine space where you're, you know, for us, especially, you know, living together, working together, the student slash friend relationship. If you're not communicating that can go wrong in so many ways so quickly. Um, And it's like one of my favorite lessons that I learned early on was, I need to be able, I not just need to be able, I want you to call me out on my patterns Uh and I need to be able to call you out on yours or at least be able to communicate about them, um, which is more challenging, I would say, on the teacher side than on the student side Um, because fresh set of eyes not knowing what they don't know, but also a fresh set of eyes that are seen maybe slightly clear on some things that were missing all around. Yeah. Um, I want to go a little further on this communication thing, particularly for those who are still in the mandala. Um, This issue of not feeling like one can't communicate with the teachers is uh, like afraid of screwing. Well, there's two things. There's two two things going on at the same time. There's this, this, this fear of if I screw up, something bad's going to, the teachers are going to get mad at me Um, and not feeling afraid of of talking to the teachers. Um, Let me, let me ask, you've screwed up a lot. So many times. Yes. And I've gotten mad at you. So many times. How does that, how does that, from your experience, how does that go? Or, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's like, 
it's going to happen, but how did we handle it? And how did it, how did it go for you? Does it? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, the best example of this is a time where I messed up and you didn't get mad at me, but just did. Oh, okay. Um, but it was correct. It was correct to get frustrated with me. Uh-huh. Um, I gave somebody a Ventiata outside of ceremony at a retreat before uh-huh. I had permission to. Uh-huh. Like this was <laughs> early on. And then the next day there was still stuff going on and I had to admit what I had done and like own up to it. And I remember Jess's look at me being like one of complete anger and disappointment at the same time in this like icy, we will talk about this, but like first I'm going to go fix your mistake, <laughs> like dynamic. Uh-huh. And and it was, Jess was definitely the quote unquote bad cop in that situation. Which um, is rare, but yeah. <laughs> and, and then I remember talking with you afterwards and you're like, I was like, hey, man, I think I was outside smoking a mapacho or something like that. Um, and I was beating myself up because I nobody likes making mistakes. Yeah. Like, no. that, that's the thing. Yeah. And I was beating myself up and you're like, hey, man, just wanted to let you know you made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're aware of that. And I was like, yeah, I am. I'm sorry. And then there was this pause but then you asked, you know, how did it go? Like, how was giving that Ventiata? Mm. And the answer was, it was good, but it was incomplete. So with that reflection, I got to see like, oh, maybe there's some, maybe I can do something there, but there's still like, I don't want it to just be good. I want it to be complete. Yeah. Um, you know, I've messed up in the middle of ceremony and have, and like, had you pull me from giving Ventiatas to go and like <laughs> sit down in the middle and receive one? Um, you know, again, we all make mistakes in life. And with that comes all of the emotional, it's not even junk, it's like the emotional echoes of that mistake there's guilt there's shame there's anger it can be projected against our at ourselves or against others um there can be defensiveness transformation requires accountability Mm -hmm. and My thing was always, I might not like being accountable for my mistakes, but I, I, I definitely want to be accountable for, or I'm, I might not like the repercussions of my mistakes, but right. I'm going to be accountable for them. And I want to communicate about them. And if there's something that like I'm told is a mistake that I don't understand, I want to understand it. Like... Mm-hmm the entire purpose of communicating and admitting our mistakes and working through this human to human interaction that we have is generally to form connection. And even if we don't care about forming connections or staying like 
in right relationship with others, we learn when we're able to do that. We learn when we're able to reflect and look at our patterns and feel the emotions without living the emotions. And that wouldn't be possible without making mistakes around communicating too. Like if you're so afraid to make a mistake that you won't communicate, or if you're so afraid that something might happen that you don't communicate, then you're not communicating and that's the mistake. I'd much rather communicate, have somebody get angry at me and handle it wrong, quote unquote, and then me be able to say, hey, I don't like how you handled this and and be a mirror to say like, hey, Zach, I know I made a mistake, but you're being a dick right now. (laughs) Like, I'd much rather do that than not say the mistake, not admit what I did or to, you know, admit it, have you be, I'm just going to call you, not that you were ever, but like, if you were like a overly mean or whatever, I felt that, then then my next step is sharing what I'm feeling in regards to the approach. Mm -hmm. It's like, I hear what you're saying. And I feel like a little bit, not just guilty. I feel like I'm being attacked. And it's, it's like, can you, through these gritty conversations, you know, and Brene Brown has a great approach to this. Um, but like through communicating with each other, through learning, through making mistakes, that is actually how we learn. Yeah. Like totally. If you don't want to learn, then don't make mistakes. And you're not trying anything if you, that's the whole point is you're learning by trying new things. And some of those things are end up being mistakes. Yeah. And it's scary. And that is a lifelong process that I think, you know, even if we get more comfortable with that, we can still run into those patterns. I know I certainly do. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, what you were talking about when you, and that was something you did very well is like, if you made a mistake again, you'd come to me. Like I have found, and maybe you would agree in 99% of the time, if I make a mistake and I go to the person that I made a mistake with and say, Hey, I made a mistake. Can I, how can we fix it? Or at least an apology, or if it's not fixable, the response on the other side is generally like, Oh yeah, it's, it's much more open and and received. It's rare that the one admits a mistake to a person vulnerably and says, Hey, I I screwed up that the other side, the person who's hearing about the mistake gets really out of line. Um, particularly in this work. Um, and if they do, that's their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what gets my ire is when someone makes a mistake, tries to hide it. I find out later (laughs) and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you, know? um, you knew about this. Now I know about this. Why didn't you come to me with, with that information? Um, well, the, the part that's sticky there is the trying to hide it. Right. Exactly. Trying to it's hide like, it. Look, we all make mistakes. It's okay to feel bad about mistakes. You're probably hiding it because you feel guilty or shame or think you're going to get in trouble. That's fine. But when we hide things, therein lies the our life that that lies the problem yeah yeah Yeah. that is the problem yeah and and the other the other and i'm speaking as a a 
now is well, I guess I'm still a teacher. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, to to a degree. Um the 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 other thing that's that's hard as a teacher for mandaleros for students is, and this is what you handled so well consistently is if I found something to be out of line and I or or mistake or however you want to put it, and I went to you, I'd be like, hey, blah 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 blah, you know, hey man, I'm doing a ventiata and you're right next to me, starting a ventiata at <laughs> really loud volume. Stop it <laughs> and sit down and I'm going to have to give you a ventiata because clearly your energy is all screwed up. This is, you know, this yeah. is the example you, you talked about. Um, it, and you took, you're like, oh shit. You looked at your situation, looked at that situation. You're like, oh, Zach is pointing something out. I have to look inward, see what happened to recognize the error. Fucking awesome. What's frustrating is, hey, if if I had said, hey, Michael, stop doing that, sit down until further notice, <laughs> uh, and I will come and give you a ventiata. Uh, if you had gotten defensive and, and been like, well, you know, I'm just doing my ventiatas and, you know, no one told me. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that, that defensiveness. Uh, an argument uh, are uh, so coming back um particularly coming back strongly um is something that, that it, it can be challenging for for on the teacher side yeah well and and i would say because now i'm in a role where i'm a i resonate more with the word guide mm. than, than teacher um but you know part of my my work is to reflect or to sometimes be like, mm, I'm not sure I believe that. Yeah. Uh, and I actually don't mind defensiveness. Like, what I mind is the non-recognition of defensiveness. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's defensiveness of defensiveness. <laughs> but, but look, if I'm being defensive, and this happens, you know, I think for anybody listening who's in a relationship, this happens all the time. It's like you, you get into something and your partner calls you out on a behavior because they know you so well, or maybe it's your parent or some somebody. Yeah. Like you feel the defensive nature come online. And there's justification. And but my side of the story is X, Y, and Z. And maybe there's good reason for it. Yeah. But are you feeling defensive? Yeah. Okay. So I have to recognize that I'm feeling defensive. Be like, you're probably right about something. I'm yeah. feeling defensive. Is this, I can tell you that I'm feeling defensive. If I can't tell you that I'm feeling defensive, that's, that's where it's problematic. Mm, yeah. So like, you know, we've had many conversations where you are very good at calling out my patterns. We had one yesterday. Um, oh. quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is that I know that that pattern is there. It is not a comfortable pattern for me to be with or to look at. Right. Yeah. Um, and discomfort is always going to be discomfort. Discomfort never becomes comfortable. We can become more 
comfortable sitting with discomfort, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't like this and I want it to change. So that's going to be defensive or we're going to try to control the situation. What I think is your point is that like the more open and communicative and receptive you can be, the smoother that process goes. It doesn't mean that there's not rockiness along the way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. I think we, uh, we went down a little bit of a, little bit we, of a, we went down a rabbit hole. What, but I think it's a, a good one and we'll, we'll, we'll keep it. Um, so little rabbit. what I'm sure everyone, or the big reason why we're doing this is to kind of give people an update on recent history and what our plans are, what we're doing and what our plans in the future are. So what you went after everyone dispersed in October, um, <laughs> um, just to Atlanta and y'all went to Europe, right? We went to Europe. Um, and for those of you who are listening, there was obviously a large shift that happened in October, November. Um, and I was in a space where I wanted to finish the mandala. Yeah. And the last thing I had was a silent meditation retreat. Krista wanted to do a pilgrimage. Uh, and we had no idea what we were going to be doing next. So we ended up going to Europe to do a pilgrimage and visit holy sites from the Rose Line um, or the Mary Magdalene lineage. Uh, so some in the UK and then a lot in Southern France. Uh, there's some amazing, amazing churches uh, carved into rock and just these caves and stalactites that have bones from what is purported to be Mary Magdalene. Um, I oh. can attest to the fact that they are very charged. Um, and so we did that. And then we finished up that trip with a silent meditation retreat and it was amazing i love silent meditation <laughs> retreats. um it was great after kind of traveling consistently and working pretty hard i think it's fair to say that we were working really hard in the organ house overall um yeah. and that being in a space where I could not talk to anybody and just be quiet and listen to myself uh, and work on tuning into my heart space at that time of transition was a really big gift. And it also happened to be the last thing. Um, so it was, again, perfect timing for me, at least with how everything played out. Cool. <clears throat> and so um, in our conversations, it, it I do remember... You know, you, you've always had a, a your background is Christian scientist, and we've always involves Christian science. Yeah, involves Christian science, um, and we've always talked about Christianity and um, at, when we were working together, living together. I I tend to lean well, not I, I would say I'm a devotee of Christ myself, um, but one of the conversations I had with you as you were coming out of Europe was you feel like you had a, a much stronger connection with Christ and Christianity. 
Um, yeah, there is a wonderful book that I read called uh, Tantric Jesus, the esoteric, the erotic heart of early Christianity. Um, and for me, being in connection with nature, understanding these archetypes of, you know, ayahuasca is in our lineage at least a feminine spirit right mm -hmm. and in christianity as krista and i went around and we're at all of these holy sites that have to do with the divine feminine mm -hmm. like where is the divine feminine in christianity what what happened happened yeah to it? yeah well, um, did you find out anything i i'm interested I did find out stuff um, and it could probably be a podcast of its own, but uh, in the people may be familiar with the book of Deuteronomy in the Bible um, mm -hmm. and the Deuteronomical revolution that happened um, in Judaism was when essentially the sacred feminine was kind of cast out of the primary vote the, the primary practice mm -hmm. um and there were still sex uh s-e-c-t-s -E um that practiced with the sacred feminine and kept that going and christ was one of them mm. uh and so if you and the symbology that was there around doves and serpents and all of it has this very strong sacred feminine approach and learning about how mystical christianity approached that uh or mystical judaism because again christianity didn't come until later as as defined but you know it was all sacred feminine mixed with this sacred masculine and quite frankly christ's consciousness being the aspect that can be feminine mm -hmm. right and so it's father space christ essentially the divine feminine and then holy spirit being the relationship between those two that is constantly in flux and and holding us together um is one way of viewing it but to really feel into that and kind of have a have an experience of, of getting reconnected to at a heart level to that not just a mental cognitive level right. was was wonderful so I'm still, I don't know if you have the answer, but so what exactly happened that that caused that? That is there a story behind that, or is this just there, kind of there's a story behind it? Um, I am not prepared to answer that question in this podcast. Uh, okay. It if people want to read Contra Jesus, the Erotic Heart of Early Christianity, it is a wonderful book. It has his, a history component. 
and then it has a practice component. Um, and it's very well researched. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to express a little, maybe it's a forewarning, uh, maybe I'm just complaining, because I tried reading it. <laughs> and I, um, I felt maybe you can respond to this. I felt that the author was trying a little too hard to make it make Christianity tantric. It was just like, look, and this is like this, and this is like this, and this is like this. Like, you know, both traditions are fine on their own and trying to, he was really pushing hard on the tantric stuff. And, <laughs> um, I, I I understand what you're saying. And I, I think little... for, for me, I can see that. The fundamental, in my experience, approach of that book was to kind of bring back the sacred heart uh, of the divine feminine and, and the unifying aspect that that entails into Christianity and into the practice of devotees of Christ. Yeah. Um, and it is a very... Um, there's Eros, there's Eros, um, that kind of divine love that seeks for union, mm -hmm. um, that can happen. And, you know, on the Sufi side, which is mystical, uh, Islam, you know, there's all the conversations about my friend, my lover, yeah. you know, yeah. there, there is this burning passion that's there that in most of Western Christianity is lacking. Yeah. Um, and so I think that some of the approach was strong, but, but within the tantric side of things, there is a decent amount of crossover. And if you get into the gene keys and the, <laughs> I mean, surprised that I'm there, but like, if you're looking at the seven sacred seals, there is a parallel between which of those energies are coming from a Buddhic, specifically a tantric Buddhic background, what the Christian archetypes are. Um, and there is, yeah. there is a relationship there. Yeah. I, I don't give, yeah. And I, I agree there are relationships there and similarities. It's just, it felt like he was trying so hard to make Christianity tantric. Um, it was which a little, it's not, it's I not. Mean, even at the end, like when talking about the practices, practices he's like look we actually don't know if this happened um but i think that the again the fundamentals was pointing to there's a way of approaching christianity from that, that is far more alive yes I think, um yeah. than well, is currently predominant yeah. And that, you know, and I, I do want to say that what I ended up doing is I stopped reading him talking about this stuff. <laughs> and I, I got into, I looked at the practices mm. and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to, this, this, this one doesn't, uh, yeah, it, it, it is in alignment. The practice itself is Christ focused and it's, it's bringing in the technology of tantric or med meditative technologies um yogic yoga which means union right and technologies yeah. uh, but bring, keeping it christ focused which is i i did some of them for and i 
still am and love them. So I, I don't want to, I want to throw water on the whole book. I'm just saying that it, it was a little off-putting. Um, and what you're talking about, you know, I personally, I've been on a Richard Rohr kick. Richard Rohr is this Franciscan monk um, who has a series of a shit ton of, of, of books on audio and then also sermons on audio. He was like, the, uh, he's known as the, um, the, the tape priest. He was like one of the first people to record his sermons and, and sell tapes back when there were cassette tapes for those who are old enough to remember that. But, um, you know, he talks about um, how the West and current mainline Christianity is all very intellectual. You know, it's all, you know, kind of getting one to use the right words to say what they believe in the right way and not very experiential at all. And that is fine to a certain extent, but um, dissatisfying for many of us, including myself and, and subsequent to finding roar and, and, and doing some practices like we were just talking about that bring a more experiential connection with union with, with Christ and, and, God, if you will, um, I will. Yes, uh, it's fan. You know, it, it's much more. I, I feel satisfying and more in line with what Christ was was uh, trying to get us to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where, and I recognize that we've fallen down another rabbit hole. And uh, I love it, yeah. uh, but it's like it's it is one of those things where the people who buddha was not a buddhist right. christ was not a christian like yeah. in, in terms of the organized sense of the word and but both those examples were anti the existing religion saying hey this religion the structure that you guys have created missing the point both yeah. of them and and it's always that and and we ayahuasca is, it involves the same thing like do not mistake the hand pointing for the moon or the finger pointing for the moon for the moon itself. Right. Right. Um, and it's wonderful when we can have these experiences and maybe this is a good segue, but you know, it's wonderful when we can have these experiences that are, I, I don't like using the word peak experiences, but having an experience of connection with the divine, a remembrance, if you will. Yeah. And, afterwards what do we do with that um because that experience was there mm -hmm. but it wasn't just the modality the modality that brought us to that experience is not the experience in and of itself right um and so how do we want to approach our lives once we have those experiences Yes. And are you referring to, if I may, the, this idea of myself taking a, a good solid break and yourself also taking a good solid break from working with ayahuasca? I am definitely touching upon it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think we, for me at least, I wanted time to reflect on the multitude of lessons that I've learned over the past four, 
years, five years. Um, and, you know, I've got some integration to do for sure. Mm -hmm. And I also know that I want to approach things differently, which is scary for me mm -hmm. um, because I have a model that I've followed for X amount of time during my training. Um, and now it's like, well, all of that's great. And here's how I want to do it. Can I take an aside on that? Yeah, please. So, so this is exactly what I went through. So I, I did my training in the jungle, came out of the jungle and was like, oh, I, I can now play a little bit with the model and made the little tweaks um, on various things. So in ceremony itself, and then also perspective on how the medicine worked um and perspective on my path my spirituality changed from uh, just totally plant-based plant medicine based to a broader <clears throat> um, consciousness focus um and then to a certain extent stuff in ceremony uh as well um and then how to run retreats and all that sort of thing shifted and changed too so what you're doing is is exactly <clears throat> our goal I, I think we've always said, look, we have these structures in the mandala and the way we do things for a reason. You can question them and try to, but please don't try to mess with them <clears throat> until you're done with the training. Get your black belt first and then start playing with other styles. Anyway, that's my aside. Keep going. <laughs> well, I mean, it's good to good to hear that you did the same thing uh, or had the same experience, mm -hmm. but it, you know, it's, when you train in something and you're going off to create your own thing, it is scary um, and exciting and exhilarating. And I, I love the creative process and the creative process is exactly like ceremony. You know, I am not creating it just me. I am setting up a... <laughs> strong intention and a container for what I would like to create and then seeing how it gets created and yeah. helping facilitate it. Um, and it's also helping me let go of patterns, you know, um, it's really cool, but as I've pointed to, and, and maybe now is when we talk about what I'm currently doing. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's we're we're in it already. So let's, let's cool. So, you know, where I am going right now is for the time being focusing on integration coaching and transformational coaching. Um, I offer kind of two, two services, one being an integration kickstart to take advantage of that month that you're like primed and ready to set up hmm. new patterns and or new practices or reinvigorate old ones. And then a kind of longer transformational, let's set up how you want to be like, here's, here's your vision of your ideal self and how do we get there? Um, and that is still evolving too, because I'm doing the Violdo course. Yeah. Um, but for now, that's where it's at. 
and it will eventually evolve and morph into working with Gene Keys, Violdo, and coaching as my primary approach to being of service and doing shamanic work. And then I am so excited to serve the medicine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm excited to have retreats that are more spread out. So like a week long, not have back to back to back nights and to have more movement and contemplative practices and time for it to be a retreat. Like there's intense work being done. And what I know through my experiences and through my studies is that the more that we can allow ourselves to be in a parasympathetic state of, you know, healing and rest, that energy can move when we're in this constant anxiety state of we're flying in for a weekend, we're going to work really hard, and then I've got work on Monday. Um, that makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. It is hard in our current society to fit in time to do that work. Um, I just know that my energetic body can't hold up to doing that as one, my, the only thing that I do. Um, and so I got to contemplate, how do I want to do it? And I'd much rather listen to what makes sense for me which takes in my gene keys approach, which has the fundamental principles of gentleness and patience in there as well. And I'm a reflector in terms of human design. And so I, I like these systems of natural rhythms. So when it comes to future retreats, what will be offered are retreats that align us with the natural rhythms. So happening around the equinoxes or the solstices um, and are spread out and create time for us to let go of these stories that we've had and invite in new ones as well uh, with supportive practices like movement, illuminations. uh, And then integration coaching is included in the cost of retreat. Yeah. Because my biggest prayer for anybody working with the medicine, no matter how you're working, is that I hope that you don't have an experience. And what I mean by that is that I hope that your time with the medicine is an event in your life, not just an experience that you have. Because I would like it to be something that shifts your perspective, that that is a pivot point, not just like, oh yeah, I traveled to you know, Spain one summer and my life is the exact same. It's like, oh, wow, I had a transformational experience and it wasn't just an experience. It was an event in my life that I will remember and leads to lasting change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For me, without integration, that has a much higher likelihood of just kind of falling back into old patterns. Um, slowly and it still lives within your body but what if we could cultivate that soil a little bit better so that it can really root in and lead to lasting change cool cool um yeah let's 
Let's talk a little bit about the Viola course for those. I, I guess everyone in the community is somewhat familiar. This is this is a course that I took what, two years ago now, um, something like that, and um, came out the other end of the course. The the main the core practice or or offering is this called an illumination session where one identifies a frustrating pattern in their life and and through this process one is able to release that pattern and these patterns are generally um patterns that are identified but therapy plant medicine work and spiritual practice have not been able to clear them up mm. um that's why I'm giving you a plug and I'm giving me a plug <laughs> uh, at the same time, because I obviously I do these illumination uh, sessions and you do these illumination sessions and they're, they're fantastic for people who are in the plant medicine space uh, because the plant medicine will oftentimes uh, bring forth these patterns. Uh, sometimes you think, Oh, I got them taken care of through the plant medicine. They come back and you're like, Oh, if they come back, after you do a plant medicine retreat, that's a, that's a, that's what they call an imprint. And that's a pattern that these illuminations can address. Um, so it's a fantastic combination with plant medicine, but it's also amazing on its own. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what part of what I'm doing. Uh, so I'm kind of segueing into uh, people wondering what I'm doing. I am continuing to do illuminations and soul retrievals uh, and, energy or entity and energy extractions when necessary. <clears throat> um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that as well. When, when do you finish up your course? I officially will be done in, I believe, July, August. Uh, and am going to use this opportunity to say if I'm in, I'm in the search of practice partners uh, and practice clients. Yes. So if uh, you want somebody who's more in a learning process versus the expert on the other end of this call, um, let me know. I might still refer you to Zach. Uh, but no, I'll be done in July or August. And that's when I think I'll really start offering the integration with Gene Keys and Violdo yep. uh, with some coaching support because those are energetic pathways that yeah. are amazing. They fit so well together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have to say that I'm, I'm a little bit envious that you have these other tools on top of the VL. I mean, the Vildo work is on its standalone is fantastic, but when you're able to integrate the gene keys and the coaching on top of it, um, I'm, I'm envious that I can't offer the same. However, in the meantime, <laughs> you can reach out to me to do the Vieldo work. Uh, and what's amazing with the Vieldo work is it, it it's most, I mean, I, actually now all of my work is done via Zoom. All of your work is being done via Zoom and, until you start doing retreats, um, in-person retreats. But how, how do they get in touch with you if they want to be a, 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 a guinea pig, practice guinea pig? Oh, uh, if you want to be a practice guinea pig, you can reach out to me at info at alchemyshift.com um, or you can go to alchemyshift.com and set up a free 30-minute consult to talk uh, and i'm going to plug myself yes please do because i'm i still have questions for you about what you're doing okay um 
If you're interested in eliminations and soul retrievals from me immediately, uh, not on a guinea, guinea pig basis, uh, <laughs> um, you can reach out to uh, Zach at mymedicinejourney.com and you can find information at uh, mymedicinejourney.com. Um, I don't know if it's Zach at my medicine journey or info at my medicine journey. For my I don't journey. know either. So, <laughs> um, shit, this is, this is awful promotion on my part. This is uh, what happens you know, when you lose Michael running emails for you. Yes, indeed. Um, safe, safe bet on everything to, if you just want to get in contact with me, Z as in zebra, P as in Paul, O I T as in Tom, R A at gmail.com zpoitra at gmail.com and then we'll 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 sort everything else out for what it's worth um it is zach at my medicine journey.com oh thank you so that, that see this is why you should be doing continuing the administrative work for me oh. <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of work yes you know, You've gone through some major life changes over the past six months. You think? What are <laughs> what, what have you been up to? What are you doing outside of just you know continuing the shamanic work with illuminations and soul retrievals? Yeah. What, what what's happening in the life of Zach Poitra? Yeah. Um, well, I'm not doing retreats. Um, I'll just I'll just put that out there. Um, I have uh, noticed and enjoyed, well, I, I say first, I, I have in, really enjoyed the forced uh, break that I've had from doing plant medicine. Um, and noticing that I still have a very strong connection with the plants and that I'm not needing or even feeling the call or the desire to imbibe anything. I'm having a great time simply connecting on an energetic level on a daily basis. And then through these, the, the shamanic sessions that we, that I still do. So that's been fantastic. I, I, there's, <clears throat> I don't for those of you, or many of you already know how exhausting retreats are for us and having gone a, a long period of time now without that i there's this energy this this vigor that has returned that i i didn't realize i'd gone away <laughs> like oh my god i feel amazing um so there there's that that going on um and yeah so there there was a a, a very short period of time after well, I'll just say uh, when when Jess announced that, that we need to get a divorce, um, I there was like 48 hours where I was like, I have no idea what I'm gonna do, where I'm gonna live, um, and luckily it was it, it was a good little lesson in, in faith, really faith being the true term of faith is everything's gonna work, just trusting everything is gonna work out. Um, and within 48 hours, I, I was able to 
reach out to a couple of people, one of which was is my biological father. Um, and he walked me through his business, which is he's a virtual financial advisor. And just walk me through how things have changed since uh, I was in the, the financial business prior to being an ayahuasca shaman. I, for those of you who don't know, I was an um, institutional stockbroker for 10 years. And I had a couple of years where I was working with individuals, uh, helping them with planning for retirement, that sort of thing. So I had this experience prior prior to going down to Peru and learning about ayahuasca. And I there are aspects that I really loved. I love geeking out about financial products and and how how money works. It's it's just fascinating. Business models, looking at businesses and how they how they <laughs> Michael's chuckling because we would have these late night conversations about different business ideas and business models and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I love that stuff. What I didn't like was um, at that time, there's a huge conflict of interest. Uh, you know, Stockbrokers and financial advisors at the time were largely tra transactional based, wanting you to, want, wanting the client to transact so that they could, so, the, the, so that I could get a, a commission. And that's how I made my living. Well, that has changed. Uh, has is shifted uh, where now my interests are in alignment with the client's interests, and this is this is a quick way to explain it: fee based rather than commission based, and it's um, such that as my client's assets grow, my fee grows along with it, so that I, you know, I benefit with the client's benefit uh, so that they're we're both benefiting at the same time. That's huge. That's, that's a big shift. Um, and, and this is a model, a uh, business model that uh, my, my biological father was explaining. In addition, he um, walked through this, the company that, that we are aligned with and, and work with, wherein they have a very different approach to investing in general. Um, that's, that's another big problem in the industry is all the financial advisors are essentially the same. They're not offering much difference at all. Uh, they're essentially good salespeople and maybe they throw a better party than the other one or <laughs> something along the, or maybe they're convenient. <clears throat> like Edward Jones is on, on every street corner and, and every, you know, um, this sort of thing. Um, whereas this, the, the company that that um, I'm working with is very different. It's it's focused very much on creating income out of out of uh, one's investments rather than stock price appreciation, and it's so much more stable in terms of what you can look for in the future uh, because most advisors are going to be like, well, for the past 20 years, the S&P has been up, you know, let's say eight or 9%. So we're just going to say that next 20 years, we can, we can, we can guess that it's going to go up eight or 9%. Uh, but that's a guess, right? And we don't know what years are going to be up. We don't know what years are going to be down. Whereas this, this other approach, this income approach, we have, a very clear view of what's going to happen with dividends going forward. Um, and so that really caught my attention. And I, and I subsequently have really 
dove into their their uh planning software and so forth and i'm just i'm blown away i'm just like holy shit, this is amazing um then before i go too far the, I, want, I have to do a disclaimer because we're talking about financial stuff this is not uh, this is this, this this commentary is not financial advice it's not specific to anyone um and it's just for informational and educational uh and, and, and entertainment purposes only uh so with that said um yeah really blown away with with this this very different approach to to investing and in fact i took i took michael through the process and michael's an interesting guy to talk to about it because he has through his life through his fortunate situation has has dealt with many financial advisors <laughs> so um, many yeah um and so i'm curious michael what what your thoughts are on your well what i so in preparation for this podcast, just so everybody knows, Zach and I worked together. Um, both he tried out my stuff and I tried out his new stuff. Yeah. Um, and so having worked with other financial advisors and having Zach kind of walk me through the process that he's going through and utilizing, the biggest difference for me was the approach. Yeah. And it's one that really resonates with me. Like if you go to most financial advisors, in my experience, one of the first questions they're going to ask you is, what is your risk profile? Um, <laughs> like, knows what the risk profile? <laughs> well, what does a seven mean? What does a five mean? Yeah. It's like, what kind of mood are you in today? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in, in my coaching, I use a one to 10 scale on occasion, but that's a self-reflective mark. Right. Um, and what you do in your financial advising, it's you set a destination. Mm -hmm. Like, what are your long-term goals? Like, you know, how... how <laughs> how much money do you want to be making in terms of income? And like, you get really specific about it, which other financial advisors, you know, they'll still ask like, okay, so what are your long-term goals? You know, yeah. but this, this was like, no, let's dial in. What do you want your life to look like? What's that going to, how do you yeah. want to approach this? When, and, when, when you retire, how, what kind of lifestyle do you want? How much income do you, so what do you want to maintain your current income? Okay, cool. Your current income, let's say 120 grand. All right, well, we'll project that out to when you retire to maintain that standard of living, assuming inflation, then we have a target to hit. Yeah. yeah. And it includes things like, you know, leaving a legacy or whatever you want within your plan. And that's what I, I loved about it. It was very much so a, in addition to the differentiated approach of dividend based income planning mm -hmm. um, and and i i got hooked in terms of intrigue um yeah. Yeah. and so for me it, that approach and the relationship with somebody makes all the difference yeah. um and also to what you were saying zach like your fee rate your your percentage doesn't change. Your no. your your 
percentage stays the same, but if you want to do better for yourself, you want your clients to do better as well. And so you want there to be growth and you want there to be success, which is far more in alignment um, than sales-based, commission-based, even even fee-based providers. And I would say a bigger system where there's a, a greater machinery at play yeah 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 um yeah to, and in the planning process it is we're sitting shoulder to shoulder we're, we're saying well what do you want you know and okay let's try this strategy x strategy let's see what happens if we plug in and it's not in your case but um you know some people who are going into retirement in particular are looking at uh annuities we can plug in an annuity and see what kind of income that throws off and see if it works. It, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's like, well, why? You don't even need an annuity. Why would we even consider that? I've had both situations um, where it's like, oh, you're getting close to retirement. I don't. Let's uh, the income that your gap that's there. You're just by putting a, money into dividend stocks isn't going to do it. But, oh, let's let's plug in a, an annuity and create some income there. And it's like, oh, that does work. Cool. And I've had the opposite happen where it's like, yeah, you know, there's no need. You've got enough assets to to create enough income from the dividends that you don't have to to deal with an annuity. Yeah. But it's it's sitting side by side, and 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 watching what these different adjustments in the in the plan in the plan will do. It's not me as a, as an advisor coming to you going, this is what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, which, which is different. And I would say from a client felt aspect, the biggest difference is like, I felt like you cared about my future and my success, not just you cared about selling the product or working with you. If there was a better approach that didn't involve that, you would say, hey, go do that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Or what it, it, that level of comfort, you know, if, you, if you're around a pushy salesperson versus yeah. somebody who's like, look, I've got a product that's going to meet your needs. If you want it, it's here. If you don't want it, that's yeah. great too. Yeah. That helps create trust. Yeah. And well, you it, want it, trust in the financial yeah. Just as an aside, I'm always interested in like uh, clients who, are like, well, I'm going to go look over here. I'm going to see what they have to say. I'm like, yes, please do and bring it back so we can kind of compare notes. Um, but I, I've, I've, and, I, and I've actually recently gotten very cocky with with my feelings about people going in and, and, and shopping around ideas. I'm like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Nothing better than a financial advisor who feels really cocky. Well, I mean, it's, just, it's just like I'm confident. I should, I'm super confident. And it's. It, and there's it, reason to. Yeah. 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 That, that's the thing. It's like there's a reason, I think, to feel confident within that strategy, um, given the differentiated approach. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that and um, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. Um, I get an intense thrill because what, what I've noticed, the most exciting thing for me are, are some people who are getting close to retirement or in retirement and they're like, 
they're like, I think I have enough to get through to the, till I'm like 95, 100 years old, but <clears throat> enough money, but I'm not sure. So they're, they're, they're like, or even a little bit of scare, scared, like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And then I'm able to put a plan together, like, no, you're fine. And there's nothing more satisfying than to hear the person on the other side breathe like, oh, I'm going to be good. Oh, okay. And it's like, yeah, dude, it's totally fine. And I, I have confidence with, with that statement because of uh, the visibility through the strategies that we have. We're not, we're not worried about stock prices going up to get to where we want to go. Um, and it just feels so good to, to have someone go, oh, I'm okay. Yes, you're okay. You're fine. Or I mean, worst, I mean there are cases where it's like, well, we can make it better, but you, you're going to have to save a little bit more, work a little bit longer to, to get where you want to go. But the, the thrilling cases are, are when, when people are a little, a little scared and, and then able to address those fears and, and take care of them. You sound like a reflector. Oh, do I? You do. You get a thrill out of helping people meet their needs. I do. It's, it's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know how that relates to uh, my, maybe there's something in my, I don't even, I don't know enough about it. Yeah. That, that's another tangent, but yeah. like, I do think that it's a, a great sense of internal peace when, or ease when like we are able to do things as humans that fundamentally help and support other humans. Yeah. Right. That's why I think both of us liked working in plant medicine or still do like working in plant medicine for my case yeah. um, and shamanism and both the financial side of guidance and the coaching side of guidance. We get to help people without telling them how to do it. <laughs> so yeah. It's like, you tell me where you want to go yeah, and I can help you create the map that you can follow. Yeah. And this brings in now my turn to kind of talk about my experience, I think with you on the coaching side. Um, Cause I've, I've done a couple of sessions with you. I mean, I I've been expo exposed to you coaching on the side, you know, just by watching you um, and you were helping people prepare for doing illuminations <clears throat> where I was doing the illuminations, you, you kind of helped them prepare going in and you did your coaching thing with them. So I saw that. And then more recently took, um, did the visioning session and then, and also a coaching session, um, both of which coaching, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was prior to the visioning session, which is all about how do I want to be, not what I want to do or what, you know, what I want to accumulate or what have you. Um, that's my, my job on the financial side. <laughs> um, but rather how I want to be, I was, and I, I was admittedly this way and that I didn't know how I wanted to be. Um, and it's, it's through, now I have a very solid <laughs> vision <laughs> from the visioning session <laughs> as, to, as to how I want to be. And with that, um, you know, one of the, the like on the, on the coaching session we had, it was super helpful uh, as it relates to what's been going on in my life 
Um, you had mentioned how much I like rules. And I, at first I was like, rule, eh. And then through that conversation about me liking rules, it was like, no, I don't, it's not so much rules I like. Rules can be a huge pain in the ass. But um, integrity, I'm all about integrity. And then with that real, I was like, holy shit, it's integrity. And, and that just dominoed, that, that realization dominoed into so many aspects of life that just help it's hard to articulate the the healing that, that just came from that realization alone um so yeah man your 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 skills at coaching uh fan fucking tastic uh uh-huh. two thumbs up so everybody reach out to michael for coaching it's funny because within the coaching model it's different than you know your financial advisory services i would say in the sense that like I can find it to be very challenging to say exactly what it is that we're doing. Um, people are like, it's not, it's not therapy. That's backwards looking. Yeah. Um, coaching is present and forwards looking. Uh, I personally am intrigued by what people want to do, but I'm more intrigued. And, and you know, there's this expression of like, what type of person would be the person that would do those things? Um, I don't like that. <laughs> mm. it, for, for me, the question is like, if you were to, in, in the story that you are operating under, if you were to do those things, how would you feel? How would you be? And that answer is far more telling than the type of than the story about what you need to do to go achieve something right it's you know i want to get the vision or the north star or whatever you want to call it past your limiting beliefs right like dream big (laughs) um may i use an example from our from your visioning session just one tiny little as long as it doesn't include any nudity it, no nothing will be <laughs> um but like a sense of ease is yes. one that comes up right yeah. and the amount of times that people are like i want to feel at ease but don't believe that it's possible hmm. and so they won't even admit like that's how i want to be it's like i want to be not anxious i want to i want to be like more capable within my anxiety um it's like, what, how, what? <laughs> you want to remain anxious? It's like, no, I don't. I just don't believe that I cannot be Not anxious. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you might have the experience of anxiety, but that doesn't mean that you have to be anxious. How would you like to be and then we like, I don't tell you the definition of that. You as a client express it with in your own self. And then it's like, wow, I have said how I want to be. Now we get to work on getting there. Yeah. 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 Uh, very, very cool. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing, doing more direct work with you. Yeah. 
Yeah. And as a kind of another backwards plug, the coaching and illuminations go together so well. Um, so in the time being, you can in the time being with Michael and illuminations with me. Um, at some point, Michael's going to exceed ex- exceed me on that side and and offer the whole whole meal deal. I still want to find ways to work together, though. Yeah, I'm um, sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the, this this stuff is the the, the unfortunate side of coaching and doing shamanic sessions one-on-one is it doesn't scale very well it does not the cool thing is how effective they are and we're gonna be get to the point where we're 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 hitting what the the scale point where you i mean you can only do what four sessions of coaching and or illuminations a day maybe five if you're lucky so that's yeah you know so you you hit your ceiling pretty 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 darn quickly so we're going to be offloading people to each other yeah and i honestly i don't want to do more than five per day i would i would love it if i could do four people a day five days a week um or less yeah Um, yeah because it it takes it it, there's prep what people don't realize on, on both on the coaching and the illumination there's I'll I'll speak for myself and I assume Michael's going to agree. No matter what context, whether it be Viodo, on the financial side for me, on the coaching side, and when I was doing retreats, I would think about people's issues, challenges that we were working on together all the time, not just in the session. Mm. So that, that kind of work is FYI to all the, all you people out there work. The people we work with, you're in, you're on our minds all the time. We're constantly working on with your stuff. Yeah. Um, There's a, can, that's not a, a lack of boundaries for people no, who are, no. are thinking it's no. a, you are in process. We are holding a container for you. Yeah. And, and until that container is complete, we are tending to that space. Yeah. Yeah, very well said. And, and then the, then there's more logistical stuff. Like you can't jump from one client session to another client session without some sort of break in between. There's some preparation. Um, there's writing things up post session in some cases, um, all of which is above and beyond the hour, hour and a half that, that we're actually spending together. So the point being is, is that we, there's only so many people we can work with at a time. And it's a really kind of nice book in for me that we're having this conversation about like the the true limits of how much both we want to be working um, and are capable of it to do the type of job that we want. It's like, I remember when I first, it was like my second or third retreat down in Guatemala and we were sitting at a the lunch table at Bamboo Guest House I believe and I was coming out of business school and you were like so how how much do you want to like work what's what does your ideal kind of life look like in that regards and I think I said something crazy like oh you know if I'm working 60 to 80 hours a week that sounds good to me Cause I was comparing it to people who were, you know, 
going into international banking and other stuff with these ridiculous work hours. And now I'm looking at my situation. I'm like, I want to have some peace and I want to support people. And to do that well, I can be on, like in a client session on maybe 20 hours a week. Yeah. Past that, it's depleting. Yeah. Um, well, in, in that conversation, I laughed at you. I was like, what the fuck? Dude, I want to <laughs> I want to work 20 hours a week. But then, you know, I, I was making fun of you. And then I did the calculations based on what how much I worked. And when I looked at how much I worked during a retreat and then averaged it out on a weekly basis, I was working 60 to eight hours yes. <laughs> and I was getting paid less than minimum wage. Um, uh, but even again, going back to, well, I just want to make it clear to people who are listening, watching that when he says 20 hours a week, that he's one-on-one on with a client, that's still 60 to eight hours, 60, at least 40, if not 60 to 80 hours worth of work. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I just want to make that very, very clear. So people don't think you're a lazy piece of shit. Oh no. Um, Cause you're not, I'm, I'm not despite, despite some desire for it, but I think one of the, the takeaways that I know I've had for this time of transition is like, recalibrating and knowing the type of work that I want to do and that like fills my cup and that is supportive to people and also that allows me to listen to myself and to my own internal rhythms and to what's being asked of me and I know I'm approaching retreats that way and I would argue that it seems to be similar for you. <laughs> your your body is asking for some yeah, shifts and very much so. And kind of recognizing where we were forcing or pushing things or pushing ourselves, um, yeah. even if for great intentions, um, past the point of productivity. Yeah. Well, and I to be clear, I, I don't regret any of it by no, uh, none, none. It's yeah. all fantastic. It's just, it's just the season has changed yeah. for me. It's time for a new season. And I'm, I speak for myself. I, I'm super excited. I, I really invigorated, really excited on both the shamanic work, the VLDO sessions and uh, financial planning se- uh, side of things too. Um I love them both. And there's, there's something weird. And I, you know, the way I came into the, the financial planning or financial advisory work um, was so fast and everything fell into place so quickly, so easily that it had me going, well, this is what, for some reason, spirit, God, universe, however you want to call it, wants me to do this. Maybe one, one, hypothesis that I have is that the the financial work 
will support the shamanic work such that I'm not, it, it allows space so that I'm not trying to like market and do all this, this stuff around shamanic work. So they can, it can kind of be a, not kind of, it is a labor of love. So the, mm-hmm. the financial stuff will support this labor of love. And I happen to love the financial stuff too. Both are of service and one's just more in 3D and the other one's more four or five D, however you want to put it. <laughs> Seventh dimensional beings. Yes. No, I, I like the expression that you said. It's a new season. And yeah. we're literally we've gone through winter. And <laughs> we are we are heading into spring. And I'm excited to see kind of what is blossoming um and continues to. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, is this is this the point? Are we at the end? I I think we are at the end. Um, if okay. there's anything to add, I think it would just be to expect an email from me coming to you from Alchemy Shift. Yeah. Uh, check your your spam mailbox if you haven't received it by the end of March, um, and. I think maybe one from you as well, if that's correct. Yeah, I, I'm not sure where it'll be coming from. Um, I might be putting together, no, it's not might be. I will be putting together some content, educational content around financial uh, endeavors. And just to be clear, when both myself and Michael send you emails, if it's of no interest to you and you unsubscribe, you it does not unsubscribe you from Jess's uh, Iglesia del Despertar. We were, we're keeping it very separate. In fact, this email will probably be coming, not, well, it might be coming from IDD the first time for this one. Um, but just, you know, it's no, I mean, I don't expect, particularly for me, if you, I don't expect everybody interested in my my financial education um, <laughs> content. I mean, I, I, I totally get it. And no, no harm, no foul if you unsubscribe from that. Um, <clears throat> But um, did you, I, I do want to remind people how to get in touch with each of us. So for me, um, Z, Poitra, Z as in Zebra, P as in Paul, O-I, T as in Tom, R-A at gmail.com is kind of my catch-all email, personal and otherwise, um, specific to um, the shamanic sessions, Zach at, Z-A-C-H at mymedicinejourney.com. Either one of those will work for me. Uh, Michael, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah. So for me, you can go to alchemyshift.com, S-H-I-F-T. And you can email me at info at alchemyshift.com. You just lost sound, bro. I think Michael's sound just went out. And luckily, Michael explained how to spell shift because I thought he was saying alchemy shit. (laughs) Alchemy shit, which is not a bad thing. Alchemyshit.com would be kind of a cool URL. Um, Are you back yet there, Michael, so you can say goodbye? Just pull that. Just use the computer audio. Michael's frantically searching around his computer. He's like, ah, you should see the look. On, in fact, if you're watching the video, you get to see the look on his face right now. Can you hear me now? Yes, there we go. Okay, so uh, thank you all for listening. Um, Michael, do you want to sorry, say? Sorry for my last second chaos. 
Um, hope I don't even know how long have we been talking. Um, probably an hour and a half. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, yeah, reach out to us if if um, y'all want to connect one way or the other, just to say hi, what have you. Uh, thank you very much for listening and or watching. And yeah, we'll be in touch. Love y'all. Love y'all. Hare <laughs>